Now here, right before the holiday season, now I love the holiday season. It's a lot of fun. I have a lot of sweet, warm memories of eating lots of turkey and just hanging out with my cousins and then having a great time with my uh, with my children as as in my my siblings and their children as we've grown. So the holiday time is a wonderful time for me. But it isn't for everybody. For a lot of folks, this is the most depressing season of the year. And even though I can't fully wrap my mind around that because I love the holiday season, it's a tough, tough time for a lot of folks. And so we don't want to gloss over that. We're going to jump into, in a couple of weeks, we're going to jump into Unwrapping Christmas. I'm really excited about that series. Um, It's not going to be, I think, your standard Christmas series. And so uh, I'm very excited about uh, about getting into that. But coming into the holiday season, it was a wonderful time for us to remember that we have to control our thoughts. We have to think on purpose. And God cares about what's happening between our ears. It affects our life, and that's why we looked at last week that thinking matters. And this week, we're going to look at what we're supposed to think on. So grab your notes, and we're going to jump off. This has been our leap-off little thought for this entire series. That our lives are built by the choices we make. And how we think and what we think about guide our decision process. Remember around here, we talk about Deuteronomy 30.19 a lot. That God said, while we are on this planet, which you and I still are, that he set before us life and death, blessing and cursing, and we have to choose. We have to choose God. And then says, choose life. Come on now, choose life. Well, that choice, those life choices, begin by what's happening within, between our ears, in our thinking process. So that's why we're looking at this. And it's so important. And a central, a key piece to our growth in the new life that we have in Christ is found in our thinking process being changed, being transformed, being shifted. Because if we don't look at things in the right way, we're not going to handle them in the right way. Now, I was uh, <clears throat> recently remembered uh, a story that uh, we finally got our we got our first house, Cutie and I, over on David Street, right towards the very end of of, uh, of David Street, and nice I little two-bedroom fixer-upper and we were so excited and we've been working on the house and and uh, we uh finally had a yard so we got us a couple of free dogs and uh so somehow if I, anytime i get a free dog that dog does not stay I always get rid of it. it's real easy to give away a free dog when you have to spend money on a dog you tend to put up with it a little better so so it encourages me that god's going to put up with me he gave his son he's not gonna kick me to the curb real quick you know, he paid a high price to bring Brandon Clark around. So he's going to put up with me a little while. But uh, anyways, the, uh, so we had these dogs. And uh, one night we were sleeping. And I start hearing this little sound. And I wake up and I'm listening. And this little sound is, is in our house. So I get up and I'm skulking around the house. And I'm listening. And it'll stop. And then I'll listen and I'll hear it again. And finally, I make it, and I get into the, the back area of the kitchen, and I hear it. It's coming from the bag of dog food. There is something happening on the inside of this bag of dog food. And our dogs were way too big to be inside the bag of dog food. And so I go, and it's just sitting straight up, just like a little open column there. And I I'm, go over there, and I peek over into this bag of dog food, and I look down, and there's this rat 
in our dog food. It had jumped in there. And this rat is in my house in this bag of dog food. Now, Keenan was about, I don't know, a little over two years old. Brooklyn was, our, my 13-year-old was, was real little. And um, anyways, and so this, this, this rat is in my house. Well, I immediately, I saw it, and it's so brave. I, man, I jumped back and, and, and recoiled and got my courage. And I went up there, and I just attacked that bag and just grabbed it, closed it, rolled it down. So now I had the rat trapped. I have this, and I'm, I'm in control. Well, not very far from our house, just catty corner, there's a railroad tracks go through, and there's a little bit of a pasture right behind, I guess, what's Super 8 now or whatnot. And uh, so I grab it, and I grab a golf club. So I've got a golf club and a bag of dog food with a rat in there. And I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm to handle this. So I go out there, and uh, uh, there's enough light. And I go out, and I unroll the, the dog food bag and open it up and wait. And the rat does not come out. So I kick it, and the little rat whew, comes out. So I'm chasing this rat. And I had to look like a crazy man at 3 o'clock in the morning just jumping around after nothing with this, uh, with this uh, golf club. And it jumps over into the railroad tracks, and it's between the, the, the tracks, the metal, and it's just darting side to side. And I'm like, okay, I've got it cornered now. And it stops up against the edge, and I pull my golf club up, and it just looks at me. And I'm telling you, that rat... Somehow looked cute. <laughs> I didn't think a little old nasty rat could look cute. It just, it just looked at me. And I'm sitting up above it, and I'm just like, <sighs> and I'm thinking, it's a long ways away from my house. I've, I've, I've done what I need to do. And I go, and I lower my club, and I go to turn. And then I remember, that rat was in that house with my babies. And I went, bam! <laughs> I ended that rat. It was over. <laughs> no, it ain't coming back. And uh, but I tell you what is that in that moment there was something that had invaded my home. There was something that was not supposed to be there that I did not want there, and I'd made up my mind that I was going to deal with it. But then in that last decisive moment, I decided there was somehow something endearing about that that maybe I was going to preserve. There was some cuteness. There was something I wasn't quite ready. To squish it out. And one of those things with our little habits or the, the different things or the destructive things that find its way into our lives. So many times we don't let things that we just totally, absolutely disgust us into our lives to destroy it. There is something appealing. There is something slightly endearing. There is something that we connect with that we let it in. And if we don't allow our thinking to be conformed to what the word of God says... We won't push the mess out of our house, out of our lives that we're not supposed to be having in there. And we won't live the life we're called to live. See, Romans 12 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Okay, the pattern of this world says, if it's cute, it deserves to live. Right? Our society would say that. It should live on cute factor alone. But no. Not everything cute deserves to live. Not everything that has something about this little quality about deserves to live. We can't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. 
Now, we have, back in the heart series, we, we hit on this in the message translation, and I love the way it reads in the message translation. And so uh, just uh, enjoy this with me. Do not become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. I love that. Be changed from the inside out. Readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. That is the process, the growth process we're on, and it happens up here in our decider. It happens in our minds and the way we think being changed, being transformed. We used to think like the world. We used to think in our old system. And now God is knocking some of that junk off of us. And we're beginning to think the way God thinks. Remember, our thinking matters. And God's wanting to shift us from thinking that way to thinking a renewed life-giving way. One of the things that we see this is, is that Jesus began to show us how important the thought process really is, how much thinking really is, is because Jesus, in his teachings, he took the Ten Commandments to a new level. He took the Ten Commandments to the thought level. See, we're, we're going to look over here in just a second that our, our thinking, what's happening there, it matters. It impresses God. God knows what's happening in here, and it, and it leads this chain reaction. And sometimes our thinking just... It just, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't go in the line where maybe we should. Sometimes I think it just, it just doesn't. Now, we, this was uh, just slightly humorous that uh, a couple of weekends ago, Cutie and I went to go see Pastor John and spend some time with him. And we had, uh, you know, six hours there, six hours back, had some good conversations. And on the way back, we talked about all sorts of stuff under the sun. And we were now, you know, it's almost home. It's dark. And uh, anyways, we had, uh, we had passed... Uh, through a sign that pointed to Wiley, Texas. Now, anybody here Andy Griffith fans? Andy, I love Andy Griffith. I've loved Andy Griffith since I was a kid. And one of my favorite characters on Andy Griffith is Ernest T. Bass. That guy cracks me up. He is hilarious. I love Ernest T. And um, there's an episode in, uh, in uh, Andy Griffith where they're dealing with Ernest T. And they're trying to, he's an old gooberhead mountain boy. I mean, he just messed up. He's just as hick as hick can be. And they're trying to make him sophisticated. And they began to, uh, to try to teach him how to attend this party and, 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 and be able to actually not get in a fight or, or sound like an idiot. And they gave him just a few phrases that he was allowed to say. And um, he was going to Mrs. Wiley's house. And uh, he was allowed to say, no coffee to your punch, thank you. And that was one of his phrases. And uh, the other phrase was he was allowed to greet the lady and say, how do you do, Mrs. Wiley? But he said, how do you do, Mrs. Wiley? And uh, so we were cruising down the road, and it was quiet. And uh, we just passed that sign, and my wife looks over at me, and, you know, she thinks I'm this, you know, powerful intellectual being, you know, very <laughs> introspective and having deep thoughts all the time. And, you know, it was quiet. She was just wanting to glean from my, my wisdom and what was churning on the inside of me and and she looks over at me and and says what are you thinking and man i so wished i had something 
I wished I had something other than what I had. Because right when she said it, I was going, How do you do, Mrs. Wally? In my mind, I'm telling you, that was exactly what was happening in my head. And I had, I just, she asked me that, and I just busted up laughing. I said, I am, this is all I've got for you, dear. Is how, how do you do, Mrs. Wiley? And, uh, and so, our, uh, you know, there should be something, something legit. There should be something serious happening. And God expects, because our life flows out of our thoughts. It flows out of it. And that's what Jesus was getting to over here in Matthew 5. That it's not just this stuff that we show on the outside. It's this inner thing that's happening that really determines who we are and the kind of life we're going to live. See there in 521, he says, You have heard that it was said to people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Oh, but now he shifts into a new gear. But I tell you, Anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. All of a sudden, it wasn't this physical action. He's like, okay, if you're angry, if you're holding a grudge, if you, if you want to murder, if you just wish ill on them, okay, you're in violation of this commandment. It wasn't about this external thing. That was the external act. Jesus was taking it deeper to what was happening on the inside. He does it again going back. Of course, these are the hardcore Ten Commandments. He goes back in, in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I tell you what, all the women on that little hillside said, Amen, Brother Jesus. Because they didn't have to have a rabbi come along to say that, you know what, that it only matters what happens on the outside. We have all known that it matters what's happening on the inside. Everybody has understood it, and Jesus brings it to the light. That our thinking process, it's not just can you restrain yourself on the outside. No, it's only enough to even allow it to be alive on the inside. See, Hebrews 10 says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. It's taking it from being something outside, etched in stone, that would try to conform and squish our lives too to all of a sudden being written on the inside that we live out because it's alive on the inside of us it's a where god is changing us from the inside out i love that my wife said you know if you're not perfect well you're in the right place because it is so true we're all at different places in our transforming process God is moving us all forward at different paces as we are willing to move with him. And so guess what? Some of us have, have conquered certain areas and others have conquered other areas. But we're all being transformed from the inside out. Why? Because God has moved it from the outside to the inside by his spirit. And then and he adds, and their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. I love it. There is grace connected with it coming to the inside of us. Now, this next truth, I'll tell you what. 
when it gets alive in you, it will help you understand how, how much Jesus did for us. Because we understand that he died for our, for our sins, right? But when he bled, he was dealing even with that underlying desire to sin and that, that thought process. I love it that we see that Jesus didn't first shed blood for us in that, in that dying process on the cross or even at the whipping post whenever he was taking the beating. The first place Jesus begins to shed blood, we see here in Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> because I totally missed that line, I'm so sorry. Jesus bled so that we can have victory in the area of our thoughts and our will. Remember Romans 12, 2, we launched this with, is that, is that <clears throat> we're going to be renewed in our minds so that we can attest to what God's will is for our life. Well, Jesus made that and paved the way for that. There in Luke 22, it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was having this struggle with his own will. He knew this was not going to be a fun thing. Taking the beatings he was about to take, taking the, the ridicule he was about to take, being abandoned by everyone he had poured his life into was going to be difficult. Going to the cross was not going to be an easy thing. And he is here. And the humanity of him was wanting to, there to be another way. But he said, you know what? He was having that same struggle that you and I have. Dealing with our will. Dealing with what's happening up here. And he says, but not my will, but yours be done. And it says, and an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed the more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus, in that struggle to choose God's will, the Father's will, over even his own will, he bled in that moment. That place of the shedding of blood paved the way for us to be able to do just like Jesus and in strength and power say, not my will, but yours, God. I, there is this underlying thing. I, there's this war that I don't, I don't want to do this. But God, I choose yours. I say yes to you. See, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That in Christ we can have the mind of Christ. Through the Spirit of God we can begin to see like Jesus did. We can begin to think like Jesus did when we allow God's spirit on the inside of us to allow the mind of Christ to become a, a, alive and real and take the driver's seat in our life. And see, what I love it that even the Old Testament, Jeremiah 29, 11, gives us a glimpse of the kind of things God's thinking about when he thinks about us. Sometimes, you know, people may uh, want to ask that same question of God that my wife asked of me. Hey, what are you thinking about? Here we go. We've got it here in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. See, since God's thoughts are of peace and not evil. 
then our thoughts should be the same. Our thoughts should be the fact that God has given us a hope and a future, that God is for us and not against us. Now what I want us to do, right quick, because we want to think on purpose. And sometimes we've got to be able to take control of our thoughts. Now what I want us to do is we're going to do a little exercise together. And in your minds, I was shown this years ago, and it's a fantastic little illustration. In your minds, I want you to begin, when I say now, I want you to begin to count from 1 to 10 in your head. Okay, This isn't a race, just in your head, begin to count from 1 to 10. All right, now. Okay, now say, God is good. That was wimpy. You're supposed to say it. Supposed to verbally say it. I didn't give that instruction, did I? That was my fault. I'm going to take that bad. That was mine. Please forgive me for being a poor instructor. Whenever I say, y'all say God is good, I want you to say it out loud. Okay, let's try that again. All right. Count from 1 to 10 now. He's a guitar player. That's all I can say. Count from 1 to 10. We're going to get through this. Say God is good. Thank you. Awesome. Now, what happened to your 1 to 10? What happened to your thinking? Did it stop? Did you get hijacked? Did it get derailed? It did. I would anticipate that unless you're just incredibly intelligent, you probably didn't do both things. You probably didn't finish your 1 to 10 and say God is good all at the same time. Why? Because when we begin to embrace a new thought and a new action, it will derail the old one. So here we go. We see in Philippians 4.8 that shows us what to think on. And sometimes we got to open our mouths and start talking this verse and start talking about what God has done in our lives and hijack that thought train that's taking us down a negative ungodly, destructive path and bring it back to what God says is right. Philippians says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are the things we're supposed to be thinking about on purpose. You know, Jesus tells us not to worry. Why? Because he's given us all this other stuff. He's already said he's going to provide our needs. He's already said he's going, to, he's going to be our source for everything. So don't let our minds get wound up in all this destructive worry and all this mess. What do we do? We, on purpose, we think about these other things, the things that God has promised us, the, the goodness that God has. And sometimes to do that, you know, if you're having a struggle and you can't mentally just shift it, begin to use your mouth like I had you. Begin to, on purpose, and begin to talk about the things of God. Plug in your iPod and crank up your favorite praise song and begin to sing with it on purpose. Begin to think on the things of God. And I'm telling you, begin to train the way our minds begin to operate. See, we must choose to make the truth that God has given us in his word be the foundation for what we think. What God has said is true. Remember, there's life and death. There's both. You're saying, you want me to live like, like destruction doesn't exist? No. 
I'm not wanting you to put your head in the sand and say that problems don't exist. I want you to live like solutions do exist. Because they do. I want you to live like life does exist. I want you to live like promises do exist. And that if something rises up that you have to go against, that God is bigger than it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about living in denial. I'm talking about living in the truth of who God is for us. That is what I'm talking about. And we have to make that decision. We have to choose that on purpose. It won't, we won't naturally go there. We have to embrace what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives and go there on purpose. Now this morning, that process of that being renewed that we talked about there in Romans 12, for us to begin the renewing process, we have to start with allowing that new life to come into 